Welcome back to the Axiom Youth Podcast. Thank you for listening. This episode is entitled Creation, and it's taught by our youth pastor, Brother Jared Turner. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy. controversial scripture in all of the Bible that's going to be my text tonight the most controversial scripture in all of the Bible Genesis chapter number one and verse number one in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth that is the most controversial Scripture in all of the Bible. Because if you truly believe this, this verse right here, I mean, really, with everything that you have, if you really believe that that is true, not that a God, but the God of the universe, the author of the Bible, Jesus Christ, created heaven and earth it changes everything else it changes everything else and so people that reject God ultimately they may find an excuse down the road for why they've rejected him but really they reject this thing right here they signal in their heart I don't really believe that you're the creator I don't really believe that you are the creator So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. It's believing that He is the Creator. Believing that God is the Creator. Okay, so I want you to just close your eyes and bow your head. And we're going to pray pretty quickly. Just to let the Lord help us. God, thank you for this group tonight that are here. Thank you, Lord, for their focus and dedication to be here. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to them from your word. And I pray that you would use me and anoint me, God, to speak what you've laid on my heart. And that we could grow in you. And God, we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. One comment. Uh, Thank you for being here on Halloween. Um, I appreciate that. We, We don't... As a church, we don't really celebrate Halloween that much. I mean, have, it's kind of like this. Have you ever seen a Super Bowl parade for the Cleveland Browns? Uh-huh. No, no, you're not. And what about when they had their perfect season? Oh, oh and 16. Right. And did they have a Super Bowl parade for them? No, because they were the losers. Right, so I don't. It's like that. It's like you don't celebrate a team that goes 0 and 16. I'm not going to celebrate the side that's losing. I'm not going to go out and celebrate evil and the devil and all that kind of. And I know folks have fun with it, but just I just wanted to make a note with that. Why celebrate the losing side? 
Why celebrate the losing side? Because God, God's victorious. God's going to win. God's side's going to win. So this is a good place to be on Halloween is in, on the winning side. Right, in the house of God. Yeah, amen. Okay, so I've got a YouTube video that I'm going to show here in just a minute. And while they, while they get it ready, um, we're going we're gonna to continue to just talk about this thing. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about how this came about in my heart because um, I, I oftentimes, as a youth pastor, you start thinking like, it is what we do and is coming to church and is all of this stuff that we do wrapped up around church and in church and the different things about church, is it silly or is it pointless in today's modern world with so many choices and options for your life? Is it really practical to give your life to God? I think that a lot sometimes. Is it practical to give your life to God? Because at sometimes, let me just be honest, when you really get involved in life, and I, you know, I, if you get involved in your career, or you get involved in just going on trips, or just having fun in life, and just kind of enjoying life, and especially when things are going well. When things aren't going well, people tend to believe in God a little more quickly and a little better. But when things are going good, it can sometimes feel very distant. God can feel very distant, like maybe there's really not much to this whole spiritual thing, and maybe there's not really much to this whole Christian thing, and it just feels really distant. And so we can start to begin to live as if we don't believe Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, that God created the heaven and the earth. He can grow so distant from us, and we can kind of, maybe if you never really believe it, the theory of evolution or the fact or atheism, but you could kind of live as if God didn't really create anything. You understand what I'm saying. Now, some people do get caught up in the teaching of evolution and they lose their faith and they begin to believe that God didn't create everything. And I want to play this video if they're ready. And I want you to listen what this man says because he has some very true points about what happens when you believe that God did not create everything. It's not, video's not about Donald Trump. No God, no life after death, no ultimate foundation for ethics, no ultimate meaning in life, and no human free will are all deeply connected to an, an evolutionary perspective. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow, and that's all there is to it. Dr. Will Provine, professor of the history of biology at Cornell University, gave us another disturbing glimpse into where Darwinism can lead. Oh, I was a Christian, but I never heard anything about evolution because it was illegal to teach it in Tennessee. Dr. Provine's first biology professor changed all that. He started talking about evolution as if it had no design in it whatsoever. And I came up to him and I said, you left out the most important part. And he said, if you feel the same way at the end of one quarter, I want you to stand up in front of the students in this class and tell them this deep lack in evolution. And I read that book so carefully, I could find no sign of there being any design whatsoever 
in evolution. And I immediately began to doubt the existence of the deity. But it starts by giving up an active deity. Then it gives up the hope that there's any life after death. When you give those two up, the rest of it follows fairly easily. You give up the hope that there's a, an imminent morality. And finally, there's no human free will. If you believe in evolution, you can't hope for there being any free will. There's no hope whatsoever of there being any deep meaning in human life. We live, we die, and we're gone. We're absolutely gone when we die. So I want you to listen to the points that he made because he made five points of things that you have to give up when you give up God. Things that you have to give up when you give up God. Because sometimes going through modern day life, we can feel like God is an antiquated idea, just the superstition of grandmas and not to do with our life. And yeah, we can, you can chalk up the emotional feeling that you have. Well, that was just NAYC or that was just HYC or that was just this and I was just caught up. And when you get focused in life and when you have teachers, especially like this man did when he was a young man that begin to tell you about these things and these ideas and all of a sudden it can become very intoxicating and you can really get kind of like why do we do all these things that we do and why am I at church on Halloween when everybody else is out trick-or-treating or why do I dress this way or why am I so faithful to church or why do I spend so much time reading this old book what what really does it have for me you can kind of feel that way. And it's okay to, to kind of struggle with those things. It's, it's not to admit that you struggle with those things. To say, you know what, sometimes, Brother Jared, I, I, don't, I don't always feel like this is really for me. And I don't really know and understand what's going on uh, with this whole God thing. And so I've really been challenged lately not to just preach at you. And talk to you about not sinning. Because I, I believe it's best for you not to sin. But I really wanted to show you and, and kind of build it from the ground up. Why we do what we do. Because this is the truth. And the truth can be defended. The truth can be, can, you can stand on it. And it can take criticisms. right? It can take scrutiny. A real faith can take some scrutiny and say, why do we believe what we believe? Right, Because anything that's fake needs to be rejected and anything that's true needs to be embraced. No matter what the truth is and no matter what the lies are, we need to embrace the truth and reject the lies. So we're going to kind of get into this over the next few weeks talking about really spelling it out of why we believe what we believe. Because you have to believe this, first of all, that, that God is your creator. And then it's easier to receive his laws because he's the creator. He knows better than you. He created you. And it's easier to kind of take it, right? Because he has a vested interest because you're his creation. But if he didn't create the world and this Bible was just not, a, it was not a miracle, but a, just a conglomerate of old men that wrote down stuff, then yeah, that would we need to kind of reject those ideas as old school 
and say, well, why do we really do that anyway? You understand what I'm saying? We need to embrace the truth, not just tradition, not just this is what we've always done, so we're going to do it, but we really need to believe that it's true. And if it's true, it can be defended. So just to kind of start it out, I want to, I'm going to go over those, those guys' points, that if you believe that God did not create the world, if you lose creation, Right, which is it's a big battle this this day. There's not a university really out there that teaches that God created the world. They teach this this theory of evolution that we just kind of came into existence. But if you embrace that idea, you've got to be willing to follow it down all of the consequences. If you embrace the idea that God did not create the world, then number one, you have to give up the idea that there is a God. Because what is a God that can't create and that is not all-powerful? That's, that's really just, it's almost like a non-existent thing. It's just like humans are pretty powerful, so it's just, if there's no transcendent God, then there's no God at all. So he, I think he had it right, that, that there is no God. And then, secondly, you have to give up that there's life after death. You, you have to give up. If there's no God, Brother Tyler, then of course there's no afterlife. It's just these 80 years and then we're done. And some people may be okay with that. I had a friend that actually told me that he wished it was that way because so that he could do whatever he wanted to do and he, because he felt more in control of his life knowing that it was just his 80 years, which he might not have even been guaranteed 80 years. But you understand what I'm saying. He, he, he just kind of felt like more in control. But just because you wish something to be true doesn't make it true. But still, you can't just stop there. You can't just stop at no God, no afterlife, and then call it quits. You've got to keep going. Like he said it, he said after that, did you catch what he said? He said after those two things, the other things are easily dismissed. They fall very, very quickly, they, they, they kind of crumble. And the next thing was no free will. Now, this is something that most people are not willing to give up. Now, I want you to listen to me. Because if there is no God, and if evolution is true, then you are solely a product of your environment and your genetics. And there is no, like he kept saying, did you hear me? He kept repeating, there is no hope. There is no hope for your life to get any better. Because the people that end up in prison were predestined to be there because they were born into an inferior environment. That means the rich people will stay rich and the poor people will stay poor because there is no free will. It completely takes the punch out of the idea that your decisions can change your life. Now, I want everybody to put their phones away. When I'm in, I don't want to see them. I want them in pockets. In your pocket. Pocket, pocket. Tyler. 
So I want you to listen. Because when free will goes away, it just completely pulls out that idea that you can make a decision that will change your life. Because really, you're not making that decision. Your chromosomes or your molecules or your neurons are firing at some response to stimuli and you are making a decision that's just based on your biology, your gut response. Well, what happens next? If no free will, so you don't have any choice, you are just kind of forced like a herd of cattle into the slaughter bin. You're just kind of pushed in this direction. And so wherever your life ends up, you take no responsibility for it. You have no ability to change. You, don't, you can't even really criticize somebody else because you don't know their biology. You just, they're just like you know, bound up, just being pushed along that way. So then what falls next? Morality, he said. Right and wrong. Things like justice and things like love. That crumbles. That means there should be nobody in prison. Because if they do something wrong and steal from you, it was their biology making them do it. Just like you don't, you don't lock up a lion for killing an antelope and saying you should pick on someone your own size, you should fight other lions. Well, the lions, they pick the baby antelope, right? They don't even take on the big male antelopes. They take on, and it's their biology, and nobody puts them in jail for that. So you should say, well, if you're strong enough to rob somebody's house and take all their money, then go for it, because evolution has created you to be better. Evolution has given you more. It's given you more power. It's given you more ability. But see, that's when people start to push back, and they, they want it both ways. They say, well, you know, God didn't create us, but yet I still want to shame people when they hurt me. I still want people to go to prison. I still, I want justice in my life when somebody comes into my home and assaults my family. When really the evolutionists would say, well, you should be stronger. Pump more iron. Increase your biology. Survival of the fittest. Get bigger guns. Build a cannon, something. It's, it's, you know, we're not going to come in as a society and police what you do because it's just everybody, it's just a bunch of animals out here that kind of look like humans and we're just behaving the way that we need to behave. And it completely removes any idea that a human being can rise to achieve anything in this life because you're no better than the ape. You're no better than the monkey that just lives in the moment. That's, see, that's if you remove God from the picture. So I'm here to tell you that God is not irrelevant to this day and age. God is not irrelevant to your life. Because so many good things fall when God falls. So many good things that we rely on, that we build our life on, fall apart when God falls apart. When, God, when we cease to believe Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, so many other things crumble with it. Like love. There is no love. There is, there is no justice. There is no right. There is no wrong. Inherent morality falls. And then what was the last thing that he said? There is no meaning to life. 
no meaning at all whatsoever. What kind of world would that be if people really lived by it? What kind of world would it be if nobody was kind to one another because they didn't have to be? Because there was no God. There was no righteousness. There was no anything about justice. And that if you could do it, you did it. Let me tell you something, young people. The young people in this room right here are not irrelevant. You're not crazy. And you're not part of some kind of little offshoot thing that is irrelevant in modern day society. But you know the truth. And you have the building blocks to build a successful life because you really believe this verse right here. That God did create the heavens and the earth. And when you really get that in your life and in your spirit and in your heart and you begin to see that God is my creator, then things begin to fall in place. And all of a sudden, you're able to open up this book and you're able to read it and you're able to apply the principles to your life because God created you. Because God began to work in your life and because you can see His pattern and His path and all of a sudden, a life that had no meaning can have meaning again. A life where there was no hope can have hope again. You understand, this man who is an atheist made our case for us that a life without God ultimately will be a life that falls away from hope, that falls away from righteousness, that falls away from doing anything good, and that falls away with doing anything meaningful. And you're growing up in a generation, and I'm growing up in a generation that longs for meaning. They are looking for meaning. They want jobs with meaning. They want to go to school and to educate themselves and to find a purpose in their life. Nobody likes to drift. Right? When you see an obituary and you see what somebody else has written about them, most of the time they try to find something good to say about that person's life to justify them existing. Because why? We want to know that our life has a meaning and that something is different because we lived. And we want our loved ones to, to when they pass on, to we, want, we put up all these cliches and all these things about the way that their life has impacted us and all of this stuff. But without God, it is just that, a cliche. Without really living your life according to God's principles. Right, because you've got, you can't just say, okay, well, I believe it in some way. You've got to actually allow that to become alive in your heart and live out what you believe or else your life will fall into the same traps that he described. Because if you live as if you don't believe that God is true and that God created everything, your life will begin to fall into that chaotic cycle again. And there will be no hope. And there will be no life after death. And there will be no real meaning to your life. But if, if you can come in contact with this portion of Scripture in your heart and in your life, and you can see it, 
that this, Brother Caleb, is the most important thing that you could give your life to. That this, the kingdom, the cause of God, is the most relevant, the most important, the most revolutionary. The cutting edge of society is what God is doing in the earth. Because without God, everything else falls apart. But we've got to believe this. We've got to embrace this with everything that we have. So as we go forward with our teaching series, and we're going to be talking some about apologetics, about how to defend what we believe, because I really want you to be settled on a firm foundation. I don't want you to have questions about, is God real? Is the Bible authoritative in my life? Can I trust the Word of God? Can I trust that when the Bible says it, that it's good to follow? Because you understand that if we can't trust this, there's so many things that fall apart. We're, if we cannot trust the Bible, and people really are just bound by their biology, then every rule and every precept that we teach about how to live a holy and righteous life is false. And we're, we're putting our life in just the wrong areas. But I think if you really step back, and we're going to give some facts and we're going to teach on that, but I think if you really step back and you begin to listen to what this man said, that you can see that pattern repeated in people's lives. When they ignore, let's say they ignore God's rules about sexuality, their life spirals out of control. They become selfish. They become, a, a, they become sexually assaulters. They push people in directions they don't want to go. They exploit people. It goes into chaos very quickly. I read an article written by a man that lives a homosexual lifestyle. He identified in high school before he really understood the full consequences of it. And he, years later, he's writing an article about how wicked and perverse that culture was and how many times he was taken advantage of and how many times he was abused and how many times he was beat up by people that he supposedly identified with. He wasn't really writing a very critical article, trying to be. He was still practicing in that lifestyle. But it was very moving. And you could see that a culture, a group of people had descended back into chaos. Because they had rejected this fact that God created the heaven and the earth. And what was before God created the heaven and the earth? There was nothing. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And you can just see it in people's eyes. In people's life, they're descending back into darkness. And that's why your generation, because it's searching for meaning, is also has a problem with suicide. It's an epidemic. Educators don't know what to do. Professors don't know what to do. But you're telling kids their life is meaningless and then shocked when they commit suicide. You're removing the very foundation of everything. You can just look at the sky. You can look at the stars. You can look at the mountains. We sang about it tonight. You can see the majesty and the beauty of God. That's what He created out of nothing. But if you take God out of it, it's just cold, heartless creation. That's just popped out of nowhere with no plan, no purpose, no meaning at all, and no beauty. Because without God, there is nothing beautiful. 
And you just all of a sudden you lose all of that. And then your generation is standing on the edge saying, well, what, what now? What do I believe in now? And listen to me, you have the answer. And that's why God is calling you not to be fringe young people. Not to be young people who are not engaged. Not to be young people who are not praying. Not to be young people who are not reading your Bible. Not to be young people that aren't studying and saying, hey, I really want to know the truth for myself. Because you're going to come into contact with a friend. You're going to come in contact with a classmate that is literally standing on that edge saying, but what now? What now? I've tried it all. What now? Drugs left me empty. What now? Homosexuality left me empty and broken. What now? You're going to come into contact with people that have that question. What now? And this youth group better be ready to say, hey, I know the answer. I know the answer. I know the way to meaning. I know the way to hope. I know the way to life. I know the way to a life that really matters, a life that will live forever, not a life that just dies and is gone. I've got a reason to live. I've got a reason to get up and, and every day and when I face something that's hard that other people would give up at, I'm going to keep walking forward. Why? Because my life has meaning. My life has purpose. I'm not ending my life early because I, I value my life. I'm not pushing that other person in that direction and abusing them and extorting them and using them. Why? Because God created them and I have respect and I have honor to them. We need young men that honor young ladies as, as the creation of God and young ladies that honor young men as God's creation. And so we're going to adhere to God's law when we enter into relationship because it matters. Because God is the creator. So I want you to bow your heads tonight. We're not going to come to the music. I just wanted to kind of give an introduction to what we're going to be talking about coming up. Our leadership small group and different things. We're going to have hopefully a book for you to read. But I really want to invest in this topic. Because I want you to have confidence when you walk into school that I have the answer. Not, not like I'm so smart and I'm smarter than everybody, but a confidence in your spirit that says what these people are looking for, I have found. I have found. And you're going you're gonna to find that a young person that has that attitude is a happier, more well-adjusted, more at peace, more confident young person that says, I've found the answer. I know what they're looking for. It helps you deal when people are mean to you or bully you. You think, you know what, they don't know what they're talking about because I've found the answer. And they're hurting and they're looking for something. See, that's the kind of youth group that can have revival. It's when we're filled with people that are not questioning, is God even real? Does God even care? Does God even have a purpose for my life? But when you say, no, my life is filled with meaning, this may just be another school day to them, but to me. But to me, this is a day filled with meaning. A day when God can do anything. So I want to pray for you. God, I pray right now for this group of young people. Thank you, Lord, for them being here tonight. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to work on them, God, as we teach on this topic, Lord. And as we begin to reach out, Lord, and we 
begin to really dig into the truth of your scripture. God, I pray that you would spark in their hearts, God, that desire to say, hey, I want to know more about my creator. I want to know more about the purpose and the meaning of which I was created to be. I pray, Lord, right now that the Holy Ghost would begin to work on them. God, and those that have kind of drifted. God, and those that maybe they, don't, they haven't rejected you completely, but they have begun to live as if they have rejected you. I pray that you would bring them to a place of repentance. I pray, God, that you would bring them back into right relationship with you, Lord, so that we can accomplish the goal and the purpose that you have set us on this earth to accomplish so that our life can be filled with meaning and so that our life can be filled with purpose. God, I pray right now that you would bless them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch them and that you would anoint them, God, and that you would help them to be the witnesses, God, and to be the young ladies and the young men that you have called them to be, to stand in this hour and to proclaim the truth of the hope that lies within them. I pray, God, that you would empower them. I pray that you would touch them. I pray that you would anoint them, God. And Lord, I pray that you would touch our youth group going forward. I pray that you would touch our fall retreat, Lord, that's coming up. And I pray that you would just give us, God, a great time in the spirit and of encouragement, God, to lift us up, to better serve your kingdom, God, because your kingdom is the only thing that matters. Everything else will pass away, but your word, your life, your kingdom will never pass away. And so, God, we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name.